Welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast for the week of November 10th. I'm Logan Finney. Wednesday afternoon, the Idaho 2021 Commission for Reapportionment had their final meeting where they approved legislative and congressional district maps and approved a final report to the Secretary of State's office. I'm joined by Clark Corbin of the Idaho Capital Sun to go over the meeting and the report. Hi, Clark. Hey, Logan. Thanks for having me back on the pod. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're something of our redistricting correspondent, it seems like. You and I have been covering it pretty deeply. Yeah, what a way to spend the fall, right? Uh, But yeah, we've been following it. uh, Kicked off on September 1st, and today it really wrapped up, and we were both there uh, at the State House at the Idaho State Capitol to... uh, to see it wrap up, but there was some confusion, right? Uh, we did a redo today. Uh, last Friday, I think a lot of your listeners uh, will know that commissioners did vote to approve a legislative and congressional map, but there was some concern about the specificity of that agenda for Friday's meeting. And so commission staff uh, contacted us early in the week and said, look, Friday's agenda didn't list the Idaho State Capitol building as the location for the meeting. And so out of an abundance of caution, because we don't want to have our votes challenged, they went ahead and re-voted today. They published a new agenda uh, with the full uh, time, date, location of the meeting, the full list of action items. Uh, It basically redid the vote and the outcome was the exact same. So last Friday, they held a series of votes to approve the maps. And then today on Wednesday, they held those same series of votes again. The outcome was the same just to cure that potential violation of the open meeting law. A cautionary step, but I think, Logan, that it showed how much concern that the commission staff and then therefore the redistricting commissioners themselves have about this time crunch, about this urgency, right? We've talked all along about how the redistricting population data came in late from the U.S. Census Bureau and uh, kind of months later than it did 10 years ago. That was due to COVID-19 delays associated with the census collection and tabulation, but now so their back was against the wall. Uh, We're gearing up for 2022 primary elections. We're gearing up for candidates to declare for office beginning in late February 2022. And for all that to happen, we need to have this redistricting plan finalized. And then today they also approved a final report, which we're told is over 100 pages long. I don't want you to go into all the details of that, but what, what sort of things are included in that final report? What it has is it has a lot more detailed information about each of the legislative districts and about each of the congressional districts. And so it kind of goes with our legislative districts, we've got 35, right? And so it kind of goes through all 35. It describes where the district is located. It talks a little bit about uh, the community's interest in that district or the properties of the district. So it's a little bit more of the story of that particular legislative district, what the population is and how it it came to be. There's a lot more information in there, uh, but for folks who are curious, about the individual districts, particularly the legislative districts, a lot of those details um, are gonna be in that report. Uh, Kind of talks about the commissioner's process and why they did what they did and how a district came to be. Uh, And so there's way more information in that report that kind of supplements what's available on the map. Like obviously you can see it visually on the map. And as you zoom in, you can see what the individual boundaries are, but these reports kind of flesh that out with a little bit of a narrative about what that district is like. Several paragraphs uh, about each district, its population, some of the notable communities. That's a term we heard a lot, right? Communities of interest. Um, 
that lie within uh, a given district. A community of interest could be anything from uh, an Indian reservation to, uh, to a city or to a town uh, or to a particular neighborhood even. This is something that we heard the public talk about during those 18 public hearings that took place uh, all across the state this fall. And those community of interests also come up in a letter that the commission prepared. This is a letter that they send to each of their appointing authorities. So the leaders of the House and Senate from each party, as well as the party chairman, uh, and they specifically lay out that it was very challenging for the commission to adhere to all these communities of interest. For example, the Shoshone Bannock reservation stretches across a county line and in the final map that they approved that reservation is split up between counties. Uh, the Shoshone Bannock tribes were actually uh, one of a handful of groups that sent a letter to commissioners actually just before they voted the first time last week. Uh, the tribes were like you concerned exactly like you said about how uh, the reservation was split up. We also got letters from the Ada and Canyon County commissioners expressing concerns about how their counties uh, were divided up. And so uh, this was just sort of hot off the press today on Wednesday, November 10th. Uh, but I did get my hands on this letter that the commissioners sent, like you said, to their appointing authorities. And they're not outlining like a specific uh, course of action that the legislature should take, but they pointed out some issues and some challenges. And it comes down to sort of the balancing act that we saw all along, all throughout this redistricting process. There's all kinds of requirements that the commissioners are supposed to follow from constitutional requirements to requirements from previous court rulings, weighing in on old redistricting plans to statutes and state law. And so the commissioners are talking about how difficult it is to balance those priorities. We had a couple of numbers that were hard and fast and fixed and could not change. Idaho has 44 counties. We can't do anything about that. Idaho has to have 35 legislative districts Idaho voters actually approved uh, that language. And so those two things can't change. 35 legislative districts, 44 counties. And then here we have this scenario where commissioners are supposed to go in and divide the state into 35 districts of roughly equal population, as close to equal population as they can get them, but then without splitting up counties, without splitting up cities, uh, without dividing communities of interest, uh, without drawing oddly shaped districts, with you know having highways connect uh, districts. And so the letter kind of gets into uh, the challenge and they address the Fort Hall reservation uh, specifically. I mean, reading from the letter, it says, quote, thus it is common for communities that cross county boundaries, such as the Fort Hall reservation to be divided between legislative districts greater legal protection for Idaho's communities of interest would likely require an amendment to Article 3, Section 5 of the Idaho Constitution, end quote. So they're kind of talking about how difficult it is to balance all those requirements. Um, but now we're going to see uh, if there's a legal challenge uh, to this plan. Uh, we think there will be. I think commission staff and commissioners were pretty blunt that based on previous redistricting experiences, they do expect uh, a lawsuit that the Idaho State Supreme Court uh, would consider. And so that's kind of where we're at uh, right now. I, I know you talked with uh, some of the Ada County commissioners. I think I mentioned a minute ago that they wrote a letter uh, in opposition to how the, the county was divided. And I mean, with Ada County, we're talking about the state's most heavily populated county. Uh, we're talking about the home of the Idaho State Capitol. 
But legislative wise, there was no choice but to divide up Ada County. We knew that going in because if all the legislative districts have to be the same size, you can't keep Ada County together, right? Because of its gigantic population and have all the other legislative districts come out to 35 total districts of the same size. So we knew we had to split Ada County up, but it's how do you split it up, uh, I guess is, is the question. Um, but I think that's kind of where we're at right now. We're gonna see reaction to these final maps um, and see if there's a challenge. Yeah, I'm hearing it's likely there's going to be a challenge. You referenced earlier that one of the factors is the commission is to split counties as few counties as possible. So they're kind of backed up into a situation where once a county is split, for example, Ada County or Bannock County, they are sometimes able to cannibalize that county is the language that County Commissioner Rod Beck used when I talked to him. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of that. Uh, the main concern is the multiple splits. They're, they're, they're taking and, and cutting off three sections of Ada County and, and including them with other counties. One is they're hooking up uh, Eagle with all of Jim County. They're hooking up a star with um, Middleton and they're hooking up the southern half of CUNA with Canyon and Owyhee County. And uh, they don't need to do that. There's, there's enough population in Ada County that we can have nine wholly contained uh, legislative districts all within Ada County. Or we would support actually one external split if it's in a community of interest. We don't wanna start that precedent where the next go around, they start digging in little bits and, and, and pieces of Ada County from all directions. We don't want to be cannibalized and that's what they've done. So once a county is split, it kind of gives the commission leeway to split it as many times as they need to, to make the rest of the map work. Uh, and so that is one of the factors that they talk about in this letter. It'll be interesting to see, and, and there may be more than one challenge uh, to this redistricting plan. And I guess it may be up to the courts to decide uh, what's cannibalizing or, 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 or maybe like what's uh, constitutionally permissible would be what they would actually look at. Um, but it's interesting. Um, they expected challenges going in. They knew they had a tight timeline. Commissioners said that it was important to them to finish up ahead of the deadline. The deadline was November 30th. They had 90 days under state law. Uh, here we are November 10th, 70 days in, and it does appear uh, that they're finished. We are expecting uh, the commissioners, uh, maybe Commissioner Eric Redman and commission staff to hand deliver uh, the maps, the final redistricting report, uh, those electronic shape files, uh, maybe able to hand deliver those to the Secretary of State's office later today, November 10th, if not, uh, with November 11th being the Veterans Day holiday, it could be Friday uh, before that's officially submitted to the state. There's no deadline issue there. Like I said, uh, they have until November 30th officially. And so they are in, in before the buzzer uh, for your sports analogy there. The commission's work is completed. It's just a matter of finalizing all of the various paperwork. So now that things are out of commissioner's hands, uh, what are kind of the next steps? Because like you mentioned, this has a lot of weight on the upcoming primary in the spring. And it also does an interesting thing with a number of incumbents. Yeah, absolutely. I think from here, it gets really, really interesting. If, if people thought that it was maybe a little bit of an intimidating process to follow, or it was a little slow, 
beginning. I think now it becomes interesting. From here, it, it goes to the Secretary of State's office. Uh, the Secretary of State's office is basically the state agency that is in charge of elections from a state standpoint. So it goes there. The plan also goes to the Idaho Attorney General's office, where it will be reviewed uh, for legal and constitutional criteria. Once the plans are finalized, or assuming these plans uh, survive any legal challenge, they would go into effect beginning uh, with the 2022 primary elections. And so that's going to dictate what districts legislators live in. And they're going to start filing and declaring for office officially in late February. Not long after that, counties will start printing up their ballots for the May 2022 primary election. But we do think that there's going to be some considerable shakeups, and this redistricting plan is going to play a part. We already are starting to get a little bit of an idea about how it's kind of a complicated idea, but legislators who were in separate districts before are finding that they're being drafted in to newly created districts together. Uh, so you have a situation where maybe one time allies who were friendly legislators who represented neighboring districts are now maybe all thrust into the same district and they have to very quickly decide whether they're gonna run against each other or maybe one of them is gonna step aside. So Kevin Richard from Idaho Education News took an early look, uh, did a real good job of plugging in the publicly available addresses that we have available for legislators and saw a number of conflicts, I think in 10 different legislative districts uh, where, where incumbents were gonna be potentially drawn in together. I know the state is working on an official incumbency report uh, that's going to uh, really uh, officially look at where these incumbents lie and the new districts. I don't think that has been completed yet, but Kevin did a lot of great work of uh, taking the addresses that are out there and plugging them in and seeing a number of potential interesting matchups. We know District 14, which is in Western Ada County, the current existing District 14, uh, that was one of the fastest growing districts in the state over the last 10 years. So that's been uh, completely reconfigured. And so um, you're going to see changes there. You're going to see changes throughout the Treasure Valley. You know, part of legislative districts that had included Ada County are now being included with part of Canyon County. Uh, and so it's really interesting. Uh, Speaker of the House Scott Bedke alluded to this last week. He sent out a written statement almost immediately after that first vote was taken, I want to say on Friday, saying House Republicans aren't entirely thrilled with the new legislative map because it does put these experienced incumbent legislators together in the same newly created district. So we think there's gonna be considerable changes with the legislature beginning in 2023. Part of it is gonna be this redistricting plan. Part of it is gonna be the overall election uh, situation. We know several legislators are running for higher statewide offices, uh, be it for Lieutenant Governor, uh, or any number of positions down the line. If a current legislator runs for something like Lieutenant Governor in 2022, they're gonna give up that legislative seat to run for that office. And so we know some incumbents will run from higher office. They'll either win or lose, but they'll be out of the legislature. We know some incumbents will be drafted together um, and have to decide whether to run against each other or step aside. We also think you know, it's possible that uh, some legislators could lose their reelection bids or decide to retire. We already know, for instance, though, that Speaker of the House, Scott Bedke, uh, is running for higher office. Uh, he's the longest serving House Speaker in Idaho state history. So this will be his last year, the Speaker of the House. So we're going to have a leadership election 
um, heading into the 2023 legislative session. So it could be a very different legislature in 2023 and redistricting is helping shape that and helping shape that in motion. We saw uh, some new campaign announcements that have just come out. Uh, Representative Ben Adams, uh, Republican from, at this point I wanna say Canyon County, uh, but he, he realized that he's been uh, drafted into a district without other incumbent legislators in that district. And so he's running uh, for an open Senate seat. We saw uh, former state representative Britt Raybould, who had represented Madison County in the Rexburg area. Uh, she was defeated two years ago. She announced uh, today or yesterday, perhaps, that she's going to run uh, in the new uh, district starting in 2022. Uh, that district, Madison County, will stand alone as its own legislative district for the first time under this new map, L3, whereas previously, uh, Madison County had a small slice of Bonneville County that was included in that district. And so the dynamics of that district has changed a little bit, and former Representative Raybould announced that she is going to run under the reconfigured district next year. And so I think we're going to probably start to see another new wave of campaign uh, announcements kick off as these maps are finalized, but still a little uncertainty about whether there will be a challenge or whether anything will change between now and the primary. That's right. We have a number of lawmakers in both the House and Senate that are running for higher offices, whether it be Lieutenant Governor, Secretary of State. Uh, and as you referenced, like Kevin is doing over Idaho Ed News, as we're putting together these incumbent lists, what we go off of is the legislative directory which is the publicly available addresses. And some of those may be PO boxes and some of those may be business addresses. So as we are looking at this new map that splits some counties that haven't been split before, there may be a situation where we have the address wrong and it's gonna take the state actually looking at the information from registered voters to track down which district folks live in. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Kevin did an awesome job using the publicly available data and plugging that in uh, to the new maps to give us uh, really a, a really first good look at some of the shakeups that we might see. Uh, like you said, uh, the state has access to official voter registration data, and that's what will actually be used, uh, the official residency. There are a number of incumbents who aren't running for higher office, are there any incumbent pairings that you in particular are keeping an eye on? Whether it be two who challenge each other or someone who steps back and gives up their incumbent seat? It's still, it's still pretty new and still, I, I really kind of want to wait and see if more information comes out, but uh, until I become a little bit more familiar with it, I would hate to just throw something out there at the risk of like being wrong or inaccurate. So I think definitely that's something that's going to come together um, over the next couple of days. Like I said, Kevin did an awesome job on Twitter. Uh, Holly Cook uh, did, a, did a good job of sorting through some of the potential shakeups that uh, would, will be playing out. I know folks are starting to go through this. I'm starting to go through it myself. Just me personally, I haven't put in quite enough uh, research to really say I think that this is something uh, to watch going forward. Other than with Representative Raybould, former Representative Raybould saying that she is going to run in the new Madison County District. If she runs against Representative Ron Nate again, I think that would be a really interesting rematch. Uh, those two matched up in 2020. Uh, Representative Nate defeated uh, Representative Raybould. And if those two are squared off again in a Republican primary in Madison County uh, in May 2022, that would be a race uh, that I would watch uh, for sure. All right. Well, we will be keeping an eye out for how this plays out in elections. Before then, we'll be keeping an eye out for the inevitable lawsuits that are on their way. 
Clark Parvin with the Idaho Capital Sun. Thanks for making time for me today. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Logan. I always appreciate it. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.